At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever dreamed of starting your own photography business? If yes, then check out our new course, How to Start a Photography Business. It's led by pro-American photographer Crystal Kenny. She offers a breakdown on everything you need to succeed and make great money running your own photography business. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with celebrity photographer Walid Azami. Walid is a talented mentor and he has a very fascinating story about how he got into photography. So stay tuned to find out more. We talk about his life as a celebrity photographer, what people should avoid when starting their own businesses, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Walid. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Taya. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. My name is Walid Azami, and I'm a photographer and a director and a creative director in Los Angeles, California. You have such an impressive portfolio. You've worked with so many interesting people and companies, and now you're here helping photographers from all over the world, helping them take their work to the next level. I really admire that about you because some photographers like to keep their techniques a secret, which is completely fine, but it's always nice to, to meet people who love sharing their knowledge with others. So how did you get into photography? Let's start from the very beginning. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, the, the only thing I'll just say to what you just said is I actually don't think it's fine. The gatekeeping is so it's such a trait of insecure photographers. And I know that you think it's fine, but I just want to clarify from my point <laughs> that I just, I just think it's so ridiculous. And, and the reason why and I'll definitely tell you where I started. But, you know, if I'm if I just told your audience that I don't think it's fine, it's because um, across my channels, it is predominantly male driven. It's like about 75% on average. Uh, my audience is male and photography is generally, I mean, across the board, it's men. And so for me, the gatekeeping keeps 
marginalized populations from women, black, brown, you know, um, so when you gatekeep, you're also gatekeeping who gets to tell history. So that's why it really bothers me when people do gatekeep, because it's like, oh, so I'm only going to see history and culture through your eyes, you know, Absolutely. just so I can explain why that bothered me. But um, as far as how I got started in photography, I started my career just working with Madonna and her manager, and I got a taste of everything that um, she does, you know, and and she does a lot. So I, I got a chance to just watch some of the world's greatest, like Stephen Klein and Jonas Ockerlin and some of these people uh, work. And then I had no idea I was going to be a photographer, but was that your question, Taya? Was it how did I get started or why did yes, I get started? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's a very intriguing <laughs> and interesting start. Well, I started basically, I had left the Madonna camp um, because I wanted to explore different options and I knew that I didn't want to get into management. And um, so I asked, can you please put me on the documentary? At the time it was called, I'm going to tell you a secret. It was um, directed by Jonas Ockerlin. And I asked the director, I chased him almost every, no, when I tell you I chased him, I chased him uh, at the forum in where the LA Lakers used to play in, in Los Angeles. He would go underneath the seats because that's where the camera bags were. And I would crawl underneath the seats too. You know, you can, you can kind of stand, but kind of crouch down a little bit. I'm like, Jonas, Jonas. Um, you need to hire me. Like I would corner this poor man, like a stalker. And eventually he did. And I just literally said, either you hire me, I'm going to keep chasing you on the tour, you know? And, and he did eventually. And I just became like the lowest, lowest figure on his um, totem pole. And I was production assistant. So I would sometimes fly between Los Angeles and Stockholm, hand carrying Madonna footage. And cause obviously you cannot just trust to ship that. And then, um, that job ended, you know, like all production jobs come to an end. And Madonna's creative director at the time, Jamie King, basically, uh, he said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Come come to dinner. And not to drag out a long story, but um, he tore me down that night. And he's like, you're just living in this dream of like, oh, I once worked for Madonna and you're not creating your own light. And he really re. I had always been using my instincts, but I didn't know that's what I was relying on. So he really pointed that out to me and he said, follow your instincts, follow your instincts. That's the only way you can be right about things. And um, my instincts, you know, if I can fast forward a little bit, my instincts told me to buy a camera and it was my last amount of money in my, actually it wasn't even my money. It was on my credit card. And so, which is like such the American system, you know, keep going into debt, but I bought a camera. And I didn't know, when I tell you, Taya, I was so new, I did not even know that cameras can change lenses. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, like that new, like, like your 97 year old grandmother type of new, you know? Um, and that's it. And then I just, my instincts kind of kicked in and I bought a camera. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? And I started taking pictures of my niece at the time who was just learning how to walk and some leaves falling off a tree. and. Um, uh, like I'm trying to think how much of the story I can say without occupying the entire episode, but um, a friend of a friend of a friend gave me a call and they said, Walid, do you have a video camera? And I said, yes. The whole story is about basically my career started on instincts and following my gut and sometimes letting go and just letting the universe do what it does. And 
um, they said, well, we need somebody up at the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles now, like right now, right now, they just fired somebody. And I said, I might be able to find somebody with a video camera. And I had a video camera on hand, um, could not even pay rent that month. And no joke, you know how people say like, oh, I was broke. No, I was broke. I was within a day or two of telling my roommate, April, guess what? I have to move out. I'm so sorry because I can't even afford this. And right before I was about to close my apartment door, gut feeling spoke to me again and said, oh, by the way, it was for Usher. I forgot to mention that part. And so it's like, Usher has no idea if you're here for video or photo. And I grabbed my camera too, not even knowing how to use it. I had, for photographers listening today, I had a one gigabyte card and I was thankfully shooting on JPEG small. And I didn't even know that I was, I didn't even know that what that meant but I, now I do. And, um, I started shooting Usher and every photo was horrendous and embarrassing. And every photo I took, took me deeper into the grave of like my career. And, um, I, I was so embarrassed. I went home. I'm like, these pictures are horrible. And it was like the different light temperatures and some pictures were because we had fluorescent lighting, which is the worst lighting in the world. And, and, uh, my gut instincts that they called me like a day or two later, Benny Medina, the manager, and he, he said, where are those pictures you took? And I was so embarrassed. I opened up every single photo in um, Adobe. And excuse me. If for those people that have a Mac, it's like what you open a PDF in, like the preview thing. And I didn't even know Photoshop existed. Like to me, Photoshop is like just no idea. It was on the same planet as me. and. Um, and what happened was I started adjusting each photo on that preview thing, like where you can just adjust a PDF exposure and contrast. You know, you have like five settings possibly. And my gut instincts like, oh, my God, you're they're just going to basically murder you. So just turn every single photo into black and white. And I got a call about maybe 30 minutes, something like that later from Benny Medina the manager of Usher at the time. And, and he said, I don't know what you did. I don't know um, how you, because I didn't see you talking to him the whole day because I was so scared. And I don't know how you thought of this, but Usher's whole new look is old glam Hollywood. So when the photos were all grainy and super contrasty or out of focus, you know, like what basically sometimes artsy photographers try to do today I did on accident and he said Usher would like to know if you would be open to being his own personal photographer and going on a tour with him so that's how I started my career wow that's absolutely incredible as a beginner in photography you had this opportunity to work with Usher huge musician huge celebrity and you were not confident in your skills but you went ahead and you took your shot and it worked out that's an incredible story it's very unique well, thank you. Um, I try to do my best to like shorten it, but I can give you the 30 minute version another day. But um, yeah, but the one thing I do want to say, though, is that I didn't allow myself to just rest on that because I do think that opportunities will get you in that room, but then something has to keep you in year after year after year. Mm -hmm. So I did not allow myself to go to bed at all every single day for the first like three, four years of my career. Um, Every single day I had to learn one new thing or I didn't deserve sleep. So I like accelerated my learning. That's incredible. And, and that shows the power of persistence. And now you have all this 
rich photography knowledge and you are teaching other photographers and I'm sure you have a lot of experience working with different levels of photographers who want to improve. What has this experience helped you learn about yourself? About uh, mentoring other photographers? Yes. How has it helped you learn more about yourself? Yeah. Um, so how mentoring other photographers helped me learn about myself is that I, let's see about, how many years, seven, eight years in my career, I, I was burnt out and I got really tired of how the industry treated people, um, artists in general, but especially artists that were brown and black. Uh, and I know that people hate when you drop in race in there, but I can't hide the truth for their comfort. But um, they, a lot of times they made us feel that the opportunity was the paycheck. And that you really didn't need money because we're giving you a chance, you know, and that started to bother me. And it sort of bothered me how they started taking advantage of all artists across the board, all races, all genders, everything. And um, I didn't have the best team around me at the time. And so they wanted me basically I got so burnt out that I put my camera down for eight months and I never I just didn't pick it up again and I lived off of my savings and the savings pretty much went to nearly zero again. Um, and I was like, I'm done, you know, because there are people that have been shooting for 20, 25 years and they still haven't been able to do what I've done. And I should be thankful for that. And I had my limiting beliefs, but um, what had happened was I believe every human has the, you should whine and cry and, and get angry about something, but then stop because nobody cares anymore and get up and do something about it. So I started a secret Instagram account without my name on it or any kind of identity. And I promised that I was going to help future photographers not make the same mistakes. And I was just going to help them anonymously. And the account started to grow. Like people were like, who is this? And I wouldn't tell them until like, a couple, two, three years of doing it. And then I was like, by the way, my name is Waleed and I've shot this stuff because I thought it would help them a little bit more too if they saw my portfolio. So what it taught me though is how to pick up the camera again and love it again because I got to see a lot of beginners like their eyes sparkle when they learn something new or they the first time they're able to charge money again or for the first time or the first time they're able to defend themselves or the first time they're able to come back to a client and, and have a rebuttal and say, no, I, I know that you only want to pay this much, but my rate is this much. And so watching people get, it's kind of like children. If, if you see a child enjoy something, you're like, oh, wow. Like I, I always walk by that flower, but they think it's the best thing in the whole world. So it taught me to um, appreciate like seeing through a lens again and just taking a picture. So that's how it helped me. And then, of course, I helped them, too, on the other end. That's amazing. And I like what you said about um, the point that you made about some photographers, many photographers being treated as if the opportunities that they're given are the paycheck itself, which is, of course, not fair. And we need to fight against that. What advice would you give to photographers, especially beginners who are interested in building their businesses but are afraid of asking for a certain amount of money and don't really know how to handle things financially? Um, such a good question. I think that's an important question. Um, would I be okay to talk about, so I have a course, but I don't want to sell it like, but I, why I did it and what that includes, because it, it, it's part of the advice. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, whatever you're comfortable with. Okay, um, I do. I actually created a course for this. It's just pricing for photographers by me, a photographer, and it helps people so much. But one of the first things that I start doing in the very, very first section is remind photographers of their value, right? So um, a lot of times people say, oh, well, nobody charges in my market. That's a lie. And the only person that believes that is you. Or they'll say, um, you know, I just want to, I just want to like do this first until I get better, then I'll charge. And I, and I, I say, trying is lying. Like you can lie to yourself all you want, but I'm not going to sit there. Please don't assume that I'm a fool and I'm going to believe you. And so I remind photographers that this world, commerce, the global market does not move unless you move. So if you think about it, you cannot launch a magazine without a photograph. You cannot launch a world tour that brings in hundreds of millions of dollars without photographs you cannot launch a record cover um clothing line you know any website any product you cannot sell anything without a photograph you cannot sell your family recipes at a small family restaurant without beautiful photos of your menu and when you look at it you can't get a promotion on linkedin because people want to see what you look like you they shouldn't have to judge by that but they do and if you're like the only woman in a boardroom of all men the right photograph puts you in a position of power. The right photographer is like, no, we're going to shoot you at this angle and give me this look and tilt your head that way. Photographs really are the main ingredient in every successful move. Like you can't even, let's just say you got out of a bad relationship and you want to hit the market back up and start dating. You can't get on these apps and even get a response or a DM unless you have a photograph. So I try to teach photographers that you have such immense value and the marketplace knows that. They just hope that you never find out because if you do find out, then you start charging and you got to understand your value. And that's what I teach in my course. The very first section before we go into the pricing is you have so much value and it's only growing and they can't like literally billions of dollars will not move unless you push that button on that camera. That's very, I'm very passionate about this. Yeah, it's very empowering and it's important to know. It's a great perspective to have, especially if somebody is new to photography, but even if they've been doing it for a while and they haven't felt confident, it's important that we value ourselves. And you're right, so many industries depend on us as photographers. Our creativity, our perspective can help many companies move forward. And it's important to right. and that and to value yourself. You make a very great point about that. And I really appreciate that you appreciate photographers i think it's uh it's just something that we should all do as a community and we should all understand and value ourselves as much as possible i agree and that's why podcasts like this are important and that's why you know we wanted to reach out and and just reach more people in the community because it's just we have to stick together because um the only reason why people take advantage and, and also like kind of slap people awake is that the only reason why people like you would never, can you imagine, can you imagine Ty going to a dentist and saying, Hey, let's collab on a root canal, you know, and, and try to get some free work. It's ridiculous. We never would do that because they've put their foot down and said, absolutely not. But photographers, artists in general, but photographers in particular, I think for about a decade, there was a race to the bottom. 
And they might offend some people, but there was a race to the bottom. Oh, you're going to do for $100? I'll do for $85. Okay, then I'll do for $75 until they get to zero. And then they're still fighting over it. And it's ridiculous. But the reason why clients feel that they can ask us to collab, and I use air quotes in that because it's code for free work, is because we've allowed them for so long. And we've worked against each other. So that's why I'm such a huge advocate of the artist community. It's like, wake up, fools. Like, we're killing each other. Right. We should support one another. It is a competitive yes. industry. But if we understand that it's important to value ourselves and we put our foot down and let companies know that we don't just want to collaborate, then we will be able to make a change. The more people do that, the hopefully the easier it will be to see a big difference in the photography industry. 100%. Yes. 100% agree with you. Absolutely. You are very good at organizing shoots. I've seen a few of you are behind the scenes photo shoots. And of course, you have so much experience, you know how to work with models. Do you have any tips for photographers who want to get better at organizing shoots and working with big clients, models, different companies? Um, the exact question is, do I have advice for photographers wanting to organize shoots? Yes. Just organizing a shoot, especially if it's a, a big client. Uh, probably takes mm -hmm. a lot of time. So I think uh, the listeners would be interested in finding out more about that. Of course. Um, I'll say this. Big clients are great. You know, that's the goal is to want to get there. But little clients are really where it's at, believe it or not, because um, there's big clients have an expectation they've done so many of these and little clients are the, the more intimate fun teamwork ones but i'll say this that with big clients come bigger budgets come bigger teams so you have more hands on deck to help you but um the advice that i would give them is never ever ever forget that you are the leader on set unless the brand has a creative director and then they're the top dog but then you're number two and so you are if the stylist messes up, yeah, they messed up, but it's your fault for letting it pass and, and you know, clicking the shutter. If makeup sucks, that's your fault for not giving the proper direction. If the model feels inadequate or the model feels unsafe, 100% that's on you. So as long as you remember that, that everything relies on you, then it's kind of liberating too, because then you will probably get the majority of the credit you know the production assistant or the hair and makeup don't get as much credit as a photographer but remember that you're that captain of the ship so make your voice heard don't get bullied into something um make sure every person on your team feels heard at the same time so it's like a perfect dance of stand back and let them do what they do but also be close enough that you can nudge them right back on the correct course if they're going off. So I would say that if you do a photo shoot without a mood board, you have the perfect recipe for a disaster. Um, you need a mood board. It has to be pinned to the wall or scotch taped to the wall. And that is basically the guidelines for everybody. Um, gosh, there's so many things that I could tell to organize a shoot, but um, get your money first, 50% deposit. Do not show up on set unless you have at least 50 percent actually no let me take that back do not book the date on the calendar or book the studio unless you have 50 percent do not pick up your camera unless you have 75 percent in your pocket and then the remaining 25 percent when you uh, deliver the goods and otherwise 
you will go out of business because clients do cancel for one reason or another. Things come up. And so if you've hired everybody, that 50% may not cover everyone's salary, plus the studio rental, plus your time and everything. So collect your money up front. If a client has a big issue with that, you should have an issue with that client. That's really great advice. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. I love that you're all about empowerment and taking responsibility because as photographers, we, something that you mentioned earlier in this episode that I really liked was that you can whine and you can be mad, but only for a Uh limited amount of time. And then you have to pick yourself up. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, persistence and the, the importance of taking responsibility of being responsible for yourself. And if you have that kind of quality in yourself as a photographer, then I think it will be very easy to have good and smooth photo shoots. And of course, take care of the financial side of things in case something goes wrong. You should definitely always have a backup plan, as you said. So that's really great advice. Um, As for the process of actually taking photographs, your images are absolutely stunning. I love the quality, very professional looking, and they always tell a story, which I know is not the easiest thing to achieve especially when you are working in a studio with artificial light. So what advice would you give to photographers who want to improve the technical side of their photography? Yeah, thank you uh, for rephrasing the question. I I just forgot. I was like 10 seconds later, clear. Um, Here's one of the things that I've learned, and this is a really perfect time for this question because we are, unfortunately, I believe that we're going into a global recession. And Unfortunately, what comes with that is, um, you know, stores are going to close down, so you're going to be able to get some stuff for cheaper. So when I when I first picked up the camera after the whole Usher thing, um, I was, you know, taking pictures on his tour and everything, but I wanted to learn more about studio photography. So I went and I purchased a mannequin from a store that was going out of business. Okay, and then to make it look even crazier, even crazier, she was like. You know, I had to like break her in two or, you know, disassemble her in two. So like imagine somebody driving and there's like the head of this poor woman and the arms and the legs and stuff like in the backseat. But um, then I went to a secondhand store and I bought her like a few outfits. (laughs) Okay, and it's crazy. But you know what? Wanting to take pictures for a living is crazy, too. So just go, you know, we'll go with it. But I started practicing my lighting on a mannequin. And I was like, okay, so she needs something shiny. So I'll just buy like a raincoat from the thrift store. That was like two, three dollars. And she needs something that's like more 
tweed or I don't know, whatever that material is, it's chunky, something cotton, and then I would adjust lighting for that. So if you guys can get a mannequin, because getting a friend to come on board is rough every single time they're impatient they're looking on their phone grab a mannequin they're just like people they don't move you can practice for hours change the outfits that would be a huge thing for photographers and then also um, practice to the point that that camera feels like an extension of your hand like you shouldn't have to think about settings it's like you don't think about lifting a certain finger up that's what that camera should be those two things like practice like crazy but get yourself a mannequin it's creepy but it's so effective <laughs> you know i don't think it's creepy i think it's very practical for photographers and by the way you're full of creative advice i've never heard of that before but it makes so much sense you don't need to work with people at first at least especially if you're still learning how to use your camera it's important to give yourself as much time as possible to experiment with different settings so a mannequin is perfect Mannequin is great. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about the stupid mannequin tagging you on Instagram or not, you know, like you do with the model. <laughs> Absolutely. Take the picture. Exactly. And they'll be grateful and everything. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And then you'll get all that experience and then you'll be able to get into a photo shoot with an actual human being and feel confident about the way that you exactly different settings. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I had that advice when I was starting out. I would just took photos of my friends all the time and they were the photos were absolutely terrible my friends were not happy and were they patient with you or not they were very patient though i have good friends oh yeah good friends okay <laughs> yeah i'm very grateful there was a video that i saw on your youtube channel it was a youtube shorts video and in it you explained how to work with models in a better way and you said that sometimes photographers when they work with models they don't know how to guide them and what you do is hold up your finger and you show them where to move their head and then you find the best angle that way and it makes it easier for both parties so it's clear that you're a pro at working with professional models and you know how to make them feel comfortable in your presence do you have any other tips for people who want to improve the way that they work with models yes um lie to them and Here's what I mean by that, okay? Sometimes you have to lie to them, and it's not a damaging lie, but that's your clickbait soundbite right there. But sometimes I will pretend that something is, it always has to be on my end. So something is wrong with my camera or my settings or my light, and it's never on them because I don't want them to carry the weight of, oh God, I'm not doing this right, right? So sometimes if they're not relaxed and I just want to show them what they could look like relaxed, I'll lie to them and I'll say, hold up, hold up. And it's like such bad acting, but I'll just do it. And, and I'll say, wait, you're fine. And I repeat multiple times, you're fine. There's just something within my camera. And I just randomly push random buttons or half or pretend to push them. And so they're relaxed, but I, I tell them, don't talk to anybody just keep looking at me because i really just need to fix my settings it's my fault i'm so sorry it's my fault you're doing great you know that's the whole routine over and over and they relax when when i take this photo and then i'll I'll snap a couple and then i'll like pretend something is not right again on my side and i'll snap a couple more and then i'll like get up and pretend like fake moves like a lever on the lighting and then i'll come back and i'll take a few more and then i'm like okay cool we're done and and they'll say wait what and i said we're done i have to lie to you to get this through 
And then I showed them the photos and I said, see, this right here is a point that I told you there was something wrong with my camera. See how you relax, see how your shoulders drop and your neck isn't so tense anymore. Um, and then see right here where you're posing. And when they see the difference in themselves, they're like, oh, so then you could only do that lie one time. And um, yeah, lie to them. Wow, that's awesome because you have to have the confidence to get yourself in a situation where somebody thinks that you're not very professional or you don't know what you're doing because the model in that moment might think like, why is he taking so long to fix those technical right. issues, right? But then at the end, you give them this like huge surprise. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that's one part I should have mentioned. You don't let this carry out for more than like four or five minutes because then at that point, like, all right, dude, what, what's going on with you? Um, so you can get the shots, everything, and you just tell everyone back away. Because I swear, whenever the lie starts and you're like, hold on, there's something, the hair guy or the girl always feels like it's their job at this moment to cartwheel into that scene and try to touch something. And I'm like, get out, you know? But um, yeah, it works sometimes. Now the people I work with normally, they understand what I do. Mm, but don't go more than five minutes because then you start looking bad exactly yeah yeah that's a good trick i love that uh that's something that i'm gonna use in the future so thank you for sharing that do it do it yeah uh you mentioned earlier that you had this anonymous instagram account that you started to help photographers and now it's not anonymous of course um but you used instagram you utilize social media to grow your business in a way and by helping others, you were able to start a mentorship program. You were able to create different courses. Social media is a powerful tool. It can be quite distracting. And it's a controversial topic for many, especially in photography, because mm -hmm. we often compare ourselves to others. We waste time on it. How do you use social media to make the most of it and to grow your business? Um, let me start by saying I hate Instagram. Okay, so I'll, I'll just put that out there. I think that they've done such a disservice and i hope that one day there's a university course on how not to kill your own business because what made you big is now what you're walking away from but with that being said uh, the thing about social media is i see i well for me i teach so i have two accounts i have my personal one where i just post the photos and then the ones where i teach i teach but for photographers that are trying to get their clients i'll, I'll tell you one of the this hurts my soul every time I see it. And I see it like 20 times a day where photographers do before and after. What the hell are you doing with your before and after photo? <laughs> like, I just think to myself, what the hell are you doing? You're sabotaging yourself. So they'll show like a really ugly raw photo and then they'll show something like a split second and then it'll be fully colored and beautiful. And I think there's a fine line at some point. I'm like, okay, now it's no longer color process. Now it's just graphic art you know and you can call yourself a graphic designer but it's no longer a photographer but um the thing that photographers are doing it so bad right now on instagram reels and tiktok because they're showing the before and after and what that means for the client that doesn't know a lot about photography is like oh so it only takes a second must be a neat little app on your phone and so that helps them devalue your work and that helps and the things that we don't value we don't want to pay a lot of money for so it's pretty detrimental that photographers do this also yes it does um, boost their algorithm yes it does get them a whole lot of likes and a whole lot of subscribers but if you can still to to this day buy yourself a house 
and groceries and pay your insurance and all that because in america they don't give us health care so we have to buy everything um with your likes and subscribers and congrats to you but i would say 99 percent of you are not able to do that so what's happening is you're getting a whole bunch of followers from other photographers who just want to take your style and then offer it to their own clients hopefully for a paid price so you're sitting out here um hoping to become popular on instagram or tiktok but it doesn't convert to anything and it's it it really it hurts me to see that because i had a uh, i had a friend say to me once saying walid what is this stupid trend where you guys keep doing before and after and then she said this if i take photos are they going to put my before photos all over the internet too and so photographers have to understand number one you're cheapening your skills because you're you're making people think that it takes a second to do that um the followers that you get are not people that are ever going to hire you because they are other photographers and not because they're bad people but they don't need to hire you because they've got cameras themselves number three you're yeah you're getting i already said that about followers um oh and you're scaring potential clients into thinking oh my god are you going to put my raw photos i'm not ready for that instead what i think photographers should be doing is um not educating in a sense of educating other photographers but educating your clients because that's how you and i do talk about this in my step pricing course which is like you have to educate people at every single touch point so here's an example if you took a beautiful engagement photograph for someone's wedding um i would love to see an instagram reel or a TikTok where you're like so this is where we're going to have it it's going to be underneath this big oak tree and i picked this exact location because the sun sets over there and when it sets later in the evening i get this amazing glow so you're not really doing that before and after garbage you are educating the people watching it but what happens is the if you are a bridal photographer that bride or that groom um, who is searching for a photographer online they're like oh my god she's amazing she actually puts that much thought into it i don't see anybody else doing that i want to see if i can contact her and if you can do that that helps you stand above everybody else and you don't sell yourself cheap you're actually educating your clients on your value because you don't just push a button on this camera you're putting so much thought into telling their story so educate people um on your post process, on how you direct your talent so they can see that you know your stuff and then you can pretty much charge any price you want. I don't know how to give you a short answer, so I just give you a whole bunch. No, I really appreciate your answers. They're very educational and very eye-opening. And what I took from what you just said is that you have to think like a client, like a potential uh -huh. client. And if you think from their perspective rather than from your creative photography perspective, then you will have much more success because you will be able to cater to their needs as opposed to just sharing before and afters of your work. Right, your ideal client, not your competition. Exactly, your ideal client. Like, yeah, that's exactly I, it. I think, I, mean, I remember when I first got into photography, I was so confused about portfolio building. And I know a yeah. lot of photographers still struggle with that. What kind of online presence do I want to have? How do I want to build my portfolio? What's my best work? Your website is great. It has your best work and it has a great introduction to you as well. 
and it pretty much summarizes everything that you believe in as a, as a person. So what advice do you have when it comes to creating portfolios online? What should people avoid and what should they embrace? Good question. Um, I hope that this episode helps some photographers listening. Uh, but as far as portfolio, I don't think that you need more than, so my website, as you see it now, but maybe at the time of publishing this podcast, it'll be fixed, but we just changed like a, like the design of it. So now I have to, I'm going to get rid of about 25 or 30% of the photos in there and try to slim it down, which I think everybody should do every few years. But, um, okay. I have a tip and it's kind of mean, but I'll still say it. Um, identify without telling people which one they are identify people in your life both of them have to be honest both you have to very much respect but you know taya like we have friends with really good taste and then friends with questionable taste right mm -hmm. you're like is that really what <laughs> is that what you wore is that what you bought or whatever so sometimes if i'm not sure i send the photos god's yeah, I'll say it. I'll send the photos to both types of friends. And if the friend with questionable taste likes it, I don't post it. <laughs> well, that's very honest of you to say. <laughs> oh, that's really I don't tell them which one they are, but like I'll look and I'll say, okay, <laughs> this one photo. The friends with really impeccable taste loved it. And then the one or two friends with questionable taste um, hated it. Or which, if the ones with good taste loved it and the ones with bad taste loved it or uh, hated it. Am I saying that correct? I think you know what I mean. Yes, yes. Then it's a match. Ooh. But if the person with questionable taste loves it and the people with good taste hate it, I'm sorry, it's just going to sit on a hard drive and that's, that's where it's going to live for the rest of its life. So that's how you decide whether to add a photograph to your mm -hmm. portfolio or not? Mm -hmm. I'm not here to lie. I'm here to out share the truth. You're here to share the truth and you're sharing the truth. No, it's important. Uh, everybody has their own way of calling photographs. This is definitely on the more unique side of calling photographs. But can you imagine being someone's bad taste friend and you don't know it and you go yeah, through okay. life? And you go through life, like, <laughs> I was like, do you like this? And you're like, how come every time I say I like a photo, you never publish it? And you're like, well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sure they're your friends for a reason, even if they don't have the best taste or style. So I. They have that. other skills. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like you're saying <laughs> that they're terrible people or anything. It's just you're, yeah. they're also helpful to you. <laughs> they're very helpful. Yeah. They have other skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's great. No, uh, yeah, picking the best photos for a portfolio is difficult, but your technique makes it pretty easy. <laughs> but here, I'll give you something a little more tactical is that um, I think that if you have, so I'll just name a photographer. Let's say you're a newborn baby photographer. You should only have, for let's just say newborn babies, you should only have three maximum four galleries. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you can't grab a client in those first four galleries, there's a whole other issue. Um, and also, I don't think that your portfolios, when I say portfolios, you guys, it's your website. If you don't have a website, I'm sorry, you're not a professional photographer, period. 
there's no other way around it. You have to have a website. And real fast, the reason why that's so important is because if I see you on social media, number one, Instagram doesn't want you to be happy. So they take your photo and they downgrade the quality. Secondly, there's no way I can see that photo in full resolution. Uh, third, there's notifications, there's DMs, there's ads, there's you may want to follow suggestions. There's so many, imagine trying to talk to somebody and everybody keeps tapping them on the, on the shoulder and saying, excuse me, excuse me. And you're not going, you have a very high chance of losing that potential client. So A, have a website because you get to control the layout. B, they get to see your images full screen if they wish. C, there are no distractions there. So, um, and it's a pre-qualifier. So if I can get you from my Instagram to my website, you've already told me that you're very interested in me. Now you just want to confirm. So get a website. It There are so many, like even Canva now is offering websites as part of their membership. So people, there are no excuses for that, okay? Uh, the other thing is, is that on your website, no more than 12 if you really have to push it 14 photos in a gallery i don't listen if you haven't sold me in your first five or six photos you, you don't need to add more mediocre photos to like really solidify that you're not the one for me so give me like 12 or 14 of your best photos and then at the bottom of the gallery like for the love of god Put a contact form so that they don't have to remember almost 70% of people web traffic is on the phone. So now they have to swipe their little fingers. So they, they're going to get tired and people are lazy back to the top in a condensed menu. So instead of making them go all the way to the top, you just walk them through your portfolio, um, have two links. One link takes them to gallery number two if they're not yet sold but they want to see more and the first link it will be directly to your contact me page don't make them go all the way up if they fell in love with you wait for them at the end of that gallery and you're like oh if you like it click right here and it opens up the contact page mm -hmm. make it convenient for potential clients yeah literally like corner them corner them exactly yeah, yeah. sometimes i <laughs> This has nothing to do with photography portfolios, but I think it applies to them as well. Sometimes I check out different websites and I try to find a contact form and I can't, I get frustrated. And no matter how much I like a certain service, I am not going to reach out to them because they need it inconvenient for me to reach out to them. Same. So it's psychology, mm -hmm. it's very important. It's sometimes a little bit of pettiness is okay. I'm like that too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just cannot be bothered sometimes. But yeah. I'm a human. Yeah, you're a human. Like we can be petty. That's all right. Can be petty, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, we'll lead. I have one more question for you, and that okay. is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great fake photography world? Um. Ooh, I didn't think about that. Um, make it a little more equal for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then you know, like I said, probably the first. I guess it's a perfect cap. Is that um you know, gatekeeping, glass ceilings, things like that. Uh, what happens is if if my gender is about 70, 75% of photographers, a different way to put it is 70, 75% of the narrative told in history books, in the media, 
on social media and cultural magazines is going to be from my gender's point of view. And so I, I want to make it a little bit more fair to everybody so we have more of an equal voice. I love that. I love that you're focusing outwardly, that you're focusing on other photographers as a successful photographer yourself, the fact that you are going out there and teaching others and helping them succeed in their lives is admirable. And thank, thank you, you very much for taking the time to be a guest on this podcast. You shared a lot of very interesting information and I definitely learned a lot from you and I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I really enjoyed speaking with Walid. He has a very interesting and fun way of teaching others about photography, and I absolutely love the way that he got into photography in the first place. I hope that his story entertained you and also taught you something new. If you have any questions for Walid or want to share your thoughts on any of our episodes, make sure to join our community. There's a link to it in the description. We absolutely love hearing from you guys, so make sure to join us for free and share your experiences with us. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.